Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is March 1st. 2024, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by a very special guest, Brian Mascajuri from Eggs Unlimited. Hello, Brian. How are you? What's going on, Mike? Thanks for having me on and for calling me special. I really appreciate that. You are special. I've known you for for several years now and uh, followed your career. And um, Brian, tell me a little bit about uh, Eggs Unlimited and your role in the industry. Yeah, so Eggs Unlimited is one of the nation's largest suppliers of shell eggs and egg products. We manage production from about 10 million birds and service some key retail accounts, but we're also one of the nation's largest brokerages. So we basically buy and sell eggs, help people get eggs and egg products, try to inform them about what's going on in the market so that they can make better decisions whether they're buying or selling. We move about 200 to 300 loads a week. So we're a significant player in the market and we pride ourselves on really being tapped in and trying to get buyers and sellers the best price. We act as, you know, basically an extension of a buyer's purchasing arm or, you know, a producer's sales team. And we aim to just basically be a support system and keep eggs moving throughout the country. And around the world, for that matter. Yeah, well, and I can tell you, with uh, the volatility in eggs, uh, your role is very important with helping people uh, come up with those strategies and triangulate things. Yeah, absolutely. Now more than ever, we've been getting a lot of questions uh, about the egg market, which is something we're not primary in. But I said, I said to a few folks out there, I was like, I know just the guy, and you're the guy. So I have a lot of respect uh, working with you over the years of the different things that we've worked on. And you used to be with another company that did a lot in other ingredients. And I was like, he's my egg guy. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I love that. My kids call me the egg guy too because I'm short and bald. So uh, I kind (laughs) of resemble, you know, a jumbo (laughs) egg at times. Yeah, there you (laughs) go. I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't elaborate. I'll tell you what, you know, I am going to just say that I, I, uh, I have an egg omelet every morning because I feel that eggs are a great source of protein and everybody at my company appreciates that I do because it keeps me level throughout the morning. So yeah, when you get I'll that protein that. early, you know, it it sustains your energy, it makes you less hungry, and it's also affordable. I, I, I always kind of go back to, you know, eggs being an affordable option, maybe a little less yeah. affordable recently, but um yeah. Still an affordable option. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of questions, but before we, we do that, I got to, Brian, I got to promote two things uh, at McKinney real quick. Uh, our Spring Market Outlook webinar is on March uh, 27th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And our Spring Seminar, which is on April 17th uh, at the La Meridian in Chicago, Illinois, or Oak Brook, Illinois, same thing. Uh, you can register for both of those at makekini-favel.com. And let's get back to eggs. So, Brian, what is going on with the egg market? I mean, you've seen uh, some volatility, but some some appreciation like many uh, other commodities. What's what's driving all that? Yeah, I mean, the egg market has been really quite high all the way back to 2020 when we were going through the pandemic. I mean, if you remember um, some of the visuals of the pandemic and the lines wrapped around the grocery stores, you know, people were 
hoarding food for fear that they weren't going to be able to go out for a while or get sick. And, you know, eggs are just one of those staple items. And we always talk about like a big snowstorm and people rushing out before the snowstorm and they want to get their eggs, their milk and their toilet paper because they're never going to be able to go shopping again. And one of those items that people really stocked up on was eggs. Um, So we saw just incredible markets going back to 2020. Things kind of normalized there for a while. And then we've been hit with several different cycles during the migratory periods of wild birds which have brought avian flu into the airways and ultimately into some of these farms. And when these farms contract avian influenza, they are impacted in a way where they have to wipe out the entire facility for fear that the spread will, you know, affect other facilities or or other flocks. Yeah. So we've had significant issues in terms of AI and the loss of production. And this at a time where we're kind of going through the residual supply chain issues and just inflated costs of, you know, labor and materials and all sorts of things that impact the cost of eggs and other commodities and other items across the retail stores. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of volatility and just generally higher prices than, you know, we would expect to see on a seasonal basis. Yeah. So how, how bad is this AI and, and, for those out there, don't confuse it with AI. AI, this right. is the flu. Because <laughs> we could go a whole other direction on the other AI, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we lost a considerable amount of layers back in 2022. Uh, we saw the first outbreak starting in February. And we, we kind of got through the spring migration period. Um, we lost about 30 million birds or so. And we thought, like in 2015, the last time we had a major outbreak that, okay, we had the spring migration, we dealt with the, the loss of supply, and now we're going to go into this recovery period where it's going to take you know six to eight months, maybe even 12 months for flocks to recover, and then things will normalize again. Well, as we went into the, the winter migratory period when the birds fly south, we got hit with more AI that same year in 2022. Um, and in total, I think we lost somewhere around 43 million birds, which... In, in total, the country had about 330 million or so layers at peak levels um, going into that period. So you're, you're losing a sizable percentage of total production. And just so you get a scale of what that means, in the United States to service just normal consumption patterns, you need about one bird for every person in the US. Okay. So imagine losing 40 million of that 330 million bird flock. And, you know, the types of shortages that that can create, especially around seasonal demand periods. And obviously, because we lost birds again in the winter during the the winter migration, we were going through the peak demand period, which is Thanksgiving and Christmas, the baking season. So we saw some record high prices um, as we went into the December period. We saw commodity large prices well over $5 per dozen. And then Obviously, going into the following year, you go back into that January, New Year, February, you start going into Easter. We're obviously down in terms of production, so supply is tight. You're going into another strong demand period. Easter is typically the second biggest demand driver in terms of seasonality. And we're going into that spring migration again in 2023. So we saw another peak of prices, again, over 350 or so per dozen. And unlike the the prior year, we didn't get hit with AI in the spring of 2023. So production continued to recover. We saw some relatively low markets 
as we went through the summer of 2023. And then it seemed like things were, okay, back to normal, right? Production is recovering. Markets are kind of following seasonal patterns. And then all of a sudden, as we got into November of last year, we started getting AI hits again. And we lost about 14 million, maybe a little less um, layers as we went through the end of last year, which created another spike in the market late in the year. And then ultimately, we saw prices getting back over $3 a dozen early in 2024 as we went into January when some of the retailers you know, started to promote. And we saw some ad activity for the first time in a long time at aggressive levels. And there just wasn't enough production or supply behind it. Inventory levels, we saw drop to some of the lowest levels that we had seen in the last seven years or so. And now, you know, here we are again, prices are falling from those highs. And we're seeing markets kind of retrace back towards $2 a dozen. We've seen eggs trading as low as $1.50, $1.60 a dozen in the spot market for large and extra large. But here we are. So we're 30 days essentially away from Easter. And we traditionally see better demand as we get into the beginning of the month. And then distributors and some of the retail chains are going to need to take positions, especially if they're going to run ads going into the holiday. Yeah. So we're watching to see if you know this market's going to bottom and then quickly turn around as, as we go into the demand period. And then, you know, spring migration period. So what are these wild birds going to bring? We continue to see AI popping up throughout several states in the United States. It, it hasn't gone away. And the industry just kind of remains on high alert to see if more farms will go down as we go into the spring, which would ultimately lead to more volatility going forward. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the egg market takes a break. It sounds like there's a lot of fluctuation and a lot of different things driving it. Oh, we had pulled up a chart just here recently, you know, looking back over the last 10 years, and there was probably, you know, 12 different things between exports and AI and, you know, unprecedented retail promotion and the pandemic that have just really sent prices into more volatility um, outside of seasonality. So it's been, you know, really, really hard to predict. Yeah, I bet. One of the things that has come up uh, often in this industry and I've heard is is cage free and and what's the latest on that and how is that impacting um, the egg industry yeah so you know it feels like <laughs> seven eight years ago like all of these companies started making these announcements that they were gonna go cage free by 2025 yeah. and you know no one knew what that was gonna mean or what it was gonna look like and then we had yeah you know state legislation also coming into effect with California and just this year, Washington and Oregon converting to cage-free states and, and more to come in 2025. And the USDA had kind of rolled up all of those announcements and commitments and said, okay, if everyone goes cage-free that says they're going to go cage-free by 2025, we're going to need two-thirds of total production in the United States in cage-free housing in order to fulfill the commitments. And? So... <laughs> No, here we are, uh, yeah. less than a year out, um, and yeah. about 40% of total production is in cage-free, right? So, so there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. They've made a significant amount of headway and a significant okay. amount of investment, a very significant amount of investment to convert the farms. And you know, the question is, will all of the companies that have made those commitments you know, live up to those commitments? Sure. And the volatility in, this, in these markets you know, has kind of raised concerns about pricing and availability of cage free as we get to that 2025 deadline. You know, I said 40% of total production is in cage free, but if you look at like inventory statistics, 
roughly only about 20% or so of total inventory is reported in cage-free. So I think some cage-free production is still going into conventional channels as producers prepare for ultimately their customers to convert. And then you have some, you know, major retailers or manufacturers kind of pondering if they're going to fully live up to the commitments or potentially, you know, take a step back or kind of wait and see. And then you also have, I'm sure the animal rights groups that are closely watching what those companies do. Uh, Something we saw back in 2012, I believe, when Europe did their cage ban. And those companies that were slow to convert to cage-free on those commitments, you know, they were basically blacklisted and publicly shamed until they complied by those animal rights groups. So it's going to be an interesting battle, I think, between those companies that made those commitments and um, the court of public opinion, if you will, as we go forward here. And, um, you know, I don't know more to come, but I think the industry has already made a significant investment in order to meet those commitments. I mean, this AI situation has certainly set back plans and scheduling, um, on top of the pandemic and supply chain and what that's done to, you know, getting equipment and getting buildings built over the last four years. So, you know, the industry's faced challenges in order to convert these houses financially in particular, But I would say that, you know, they've already geared up a sizable amount of production. I expect that percentage to continue to grow into the end of the year. And then we'll kind of see where the chips fall if things are, you know, long or short on cage free as we get to this 2025 deadline based on what those users and those customers end up doing. Yeah, certainly have to listen to the the consumer and and what they want. And uh, it sounds like the industry is 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 trying very hard to do that. I gotta imagine though, uh, converting that is 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 that a pretty big uh, uh, added cost for those producers? Um, I'm sure there's some setup of it, but also just the management of it. Oh, it's it's a significant cost and it's a significant learning curve because the mm. you know the housing is different. You know, the birds behave differently. There's, you know, different challenges in terms of collecting the eggs and and what have you. There's different styles of these cage-free houses. There's different, you know, regulation, like California has a specific Proposition 12 certification that CDFA has to go out and actually inspect these farms to, you know, give these farms permission to ship eggs out into California for compliance. You know, other states don't necessarily have that, but, you know, the guidelines can be similar. There's also different guidelines between states. There's different rollout schedules from some wow. of these states, et cetera. So there's a lot of a lot of hoops to jump through, if you will. And, yeah. you know, producers at this point, you know, where markets have been strong and there's need to kind of regrow production, you know, they're, they're looking for, okay, well, well, what's to come? Like, is it a worthwhile investment to invest in cage-free? Are customers going to live up to those expectations? Like a lot of those questions that have been out there really for like the last 10 years are still in play to some extent. But, you know, I think many as they, they grow have just chosen to bite the bullet and say, okay, like the only logical and safe way to invest in more production is to kind of take it to the next level and put in cage-free housing or some sort of convertible housing, which I, I have heard is not as efficient Sure. So it's yeah. uh, it's been a challenge and it's been something that's hung over the industry's head now for a long time. And, 
you know, 2025 is coming quick and knocking on the door. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's shift over to the, uh, international markets. Um, for those that, uh, uh, look at that, I, is there any, uh, uh, hot, uh, or I'd say headlines that, uh, uh, you would like to talk about for the folks out there? Yeah. The, the international markets have been interesting really since I'd say, you know, the start of that Ukraine, Russia war, um, Ukraine is obviously a, a breadbasket of the world and has been, you know, one of the big suppliers to Europe and Asia and, and other areas. So, you know, there's opportunities, I think, for, for U.S. egg and egg product internationally. But because, you know, what's gone on here with AI and, and our domestic pricing, it's kind of kept us out of some of those markets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we continue to see strong exports into Canada. Mexico tends to be a number two um, partner for U.S. supply, but they're more price sensitive probably than you know any other country that, that we do business with. So in periods of decline, like I said, we saw in the summer of last year, we saw some low markets. We saw Mexico step in and take a significant volume of U.S. eggs. Cuba's opened their doors to shell eggs as well. We've, we've shipped some eggs to Cuba. South Korea, um, as they deal with their AI issues, residual AI issues over the last five years, has has shipped eggs via air freight <laughs> at times, especially around their, wow. their Lunar New Year holiday, which happens in February. But again, you know, our, our pricing, when, when you're talking about over $3 a dozen at times, especially during those high demand periods, it, it's not competitive in, in the global markets. Some of the egg product pricing I know has opened up doors into areas of Asia and Europe, particularly on dried yolk because it travels well. And our pricing is a little bit more competitive there. But um, domestic egg white prices remain relatively strong. Dried egg white prices, you know, remain $9, $10 a pound. So I think the global market remains open for business for U.S. producers and processors. But I don't think we're going to really understand how much volume that we could ship outside the U.S. until, you know, prices moderate again, which, again, it's all a coin flip. You know, it's hard to predict the markets. Uh, I think if you told me how many birds went down or didn't go down in the next three months, I'd have a decent idea. But, you know, no one can really project how many many birds go down here if we do get AI um, with the spring migration, which, you know, is starting any day, essentially, as as the weather starts to warm. Exactly. Um, let's let, one final question for you, sure. and then let folks get off to the grocery store to buy some eggs. Yeah, get your eggs. Um, uh, <laughs> what would uh, what do you see? What would be the big things you see moving forward, uh, and any type of guidance uh, for those out there? Well, I mean, ultimately, it's going to be about the flocks recovery, right? Um, we have about three hundred and nine million layers reported as of February first. You know, that number needs to get into the 320, 325 range, I think, to get back in balance where markets will return more towards seasonal long-term averages. You know, we're going to keep an eye on, obviously, AI. You know, the thing that I've been bullish about is just kind of eggs as a superfood and seeing so much on social media from, you know, people kind of really picking through ingredient labels on you know, more popular foods, maybe someone will go to the grocery store and they'll spend $2 on, on an avocado, but they'll look at a dozen eggs and kind of say, ah, I'm not sure if I want to put, put the cart into my cart or not. And I think that's kind of silly, you know, because I think eggs provide just so much value 
Um, and they're so affordable when you look at them for, you know, a couple eggs, you're getting a significant amount of protein, you know, 13 grams of protein, low calories, amino acids, all sorts of vitamins and minerals, good for your eyes, good for your skins. Like it's just how many things can you pick up at the grocery store that, you know, is two, $3 and you could feed your entire family, something that's nutritious. And, you know, before getting on here, we were talking about, you know, when I, when I check out at the grocery store, I, I always look at like the candy bar section, right? Cause it's kind of, <laughs> they, they corner you next to the register yeah, as you wait yeah. for the person in front of you. Like, yeah, you got to buy some candy on your way out and yeah. <laughs> you, you can't get a candy bar without spending $2 or, or $3, you know, a good That's deal. True. On, yeah. A, a candy bar is like two for five. So, yep, you know, yep, eggs are, yep. I think a, a great option. And I think if that takes hold, right. If, if that social media movement where, yeah, eggs are great. Eggs are a superfood. Eggs are not that expensive and actually really affordable and, you know, great protein. Like if that ever takes off and goes mainstream, I think, you know, we'll see much higher consumption levels in the United yeah, States. Yeah. Well, you know me, I, 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 like I told you before, I omelet every morning and, um, you know, I, I'm a believer in eggs and I can tell you with, as, as far as the candy bars are concerned, those, those are definitely, it's going to be two for 10. Uh, in short order because that cocoa market and sugar market increases. So, but yeah, as, uh, that was a great recap, Brian. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and coming on. Uh, for those listeners out there are interested in in reaching out to Brian, we'll put his contact information there at the bottom and you can reach out to him and talk a little bit more uh, about eggs. And I'm proud of myself, Brian. I didn't do any corny egg jokes. So I, I, uh, I decided to not do that. No, you were fantastic, Mike. I really appreciate being on. <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Do something fun this weekend. Until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.